the jump might only take a couple of seconds, but in my mind, it takes much longer than that. The way that you feel during the jump is indescribable. You know, before you, you can be quite nervous on top of the exit point and you have to really take control of your mind before you take that leap. It can't be a leap of faith. You have to be calm in your mind when you do it so that if anything had to go wrong, you can calmly assess the situation and fix what needs to be fixed. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset Show and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Craig Zeman, a South African national tourist guide. Craig was born and raised in Cape Town, South Africa. His family's roots date back to 1735, and he is very passionate about his country. As a tourist guide, he's been guiding groups through Southern Africa for the last 23 years. He's an award-winning guide and lives a full life. When not guiding, he surfs, flies wingsuits, and base jumps. And we were lucky enough to speak with him in between trips, traveling north for a month-long surfing adventure with dolphins. Hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the distinct pleasure, as you heard in his fantastic intro, to be with Craig Zeman, a South African national tourist guide, an award-winning one at best. And what I would like to say in full disclosure is, as many of you know, I did some traveling to South Africa in the last couple of years, and Craig was one of my tour guides. Uh, so thanks for being here today, Craig. You're welcome, Larry. It's good to see you again. Yeah, same here. And uh, it's it's excellent to have a conversation with somebody who's halfway around the world. It's a great use of technology. Amazing, right? Yeah, it certainly is. So, Craig, I know that you and your family have a very long-standing history in South Africa. Maybe you could touch on that a minute and also tell us, you know, what led you to become a tour guide uh, in South Africa? Sure. Well, uh, let's start, start with your first question. Uh, my family's been in South Africa since 1735. My mother's family came from Germany and settled. And at some point, their home language switched from German to Afrikaans, which is one of the 11 official languages in South Africa. So I grew up in a household with my mom who speaks English and Afrikaans, and my dad, who comes from an Eastern European background, whose family came to South Africa at the turn of last century. So I can speak English and Afrikaans. I speak German as well. And those are, well, two of the 11 official languages in South Africa. So the Zeman family has seen a lot of change over the years in South Certainly, Africa. Certainly, we've lived through the change, and we are actually part of the change as well. 
That's, so, that's awesome. you know, I worked out, I'm 52 years now, uh, 52 years old now, and I spent half my life in the apartheid South Africa and half my life exactly in the new South Africa. So I was wow. 26 years old when Nelson Mandela was uh, uh, released from prison. Right. It sounds like you have such a pride for the history of South Africa. Is that one of the reasons that led you to become a tour guide? Most certainly. To be honest with you, I never knew exactly what I wanted to do, but it's evolved into that. I love meeting people. I love traveling. Um, and guy, I love my country, as you can hear. So it's the perfect job for me. At one point, I was teaching English to foreigners, and we had conversational classes, and we could, you know, we didn't have to be in the classroom. So, at my suggestion, we left the classroom, and I would take the students to the botanical gardens, or we'd go, you know, to the museums and chat over there. And before I knew it, I realized I was actually doing the work of a guide. So, I got educated as a tour guide and uh, started working, and that was like... 23 years ago, and I haven't looked back since. It's gone by in a flash. So I think I've made the right choice. Wow, that's awesome. And are there, do they have like requirements that you need to achieve in order to become a tour guide? It's quite um, stringently monitored. You have to, uh, you have to become qualified as a local guide, as a regional guide. That's for what we call a province, what you call a state. And then once you've uh, got all nine regions in South Africa or provinces or states, then you are what's known as a national guide. So I, I'm actually a national guide. And on top of that, I, I have led and do lead tours throughout Southern Africa to right. other countries as well, like Zimbabwe and Botswana. Awesome. You know, as somebody who has a rich history there, what, you know, if I'm coming to South Africa for the first time, I, you know, I, I've been there. So I, I know, I, I think I know what some of your answers are going to be. But what are some of the must see sites for people in your country if they're coming there for the first time? Well, I know that you've seen them. And that certainly is Cape Town, the Garden Route. And then the Kruger region. That would be my top three in South Africa. And Cape Town isn't just Cape Town. It has so much more to offer. I mean, you have Table Mountain. You have Robben Island. You have the waterfront in Cape Town. You have the Cape Peninsula, which uh, Sir Francis Drake described as being the fairest cape of them all <laughs> in his circum, you know, circumnavigation of the world. And it was on his way home that he discovered it towards the end of his three-year voyage. And of all the capes that he ever saw, he said this was the fairest of them all. And I don't think he's kidding, you know. Right. Yeah, I, we, we enjoyed our time in Cape Town. And, uh, you know, certainly, you're, you know, the next area you spoke about, the garden route was uh, unbelievable. What are, what are some highlights there? Uh, well, you have the, uh, the Neisner Lagoon and the Neisner Town. You have the Featherbed Nature Reserve. They have a um, a wonderful, it's actually the first, the oldest ele elephant um, orphanage in South Africa, the Neisner Elephant Park. That's worth a visit. There's a hike that you can do on the Featherbed Trail, it's called, at the Featherbed Nature Reserve. Um, and that is, you know, I've never been to New Zealand, but it's how I picture the, how I've seen pictures of New Zealand and watching Lord of the Rings. It's a, it's a landscape and a topography that's very similar to that. I can see how you kind of bring those two things together from being there. It's, it's, it's beautiful. That hike was unbelievable. And what I love about South Africa is that it's like a world in one country. Right. You know, right. we have a bit of everything. 
And even in Cape Town, you can drive for an hour and you'll be in the winelands. And when you're in the winelands, you could be in uh, anywhere in the world. You know, you could be in the south of France or in Napa Valley or in, you know, southern Germany. I certainly didn't realize the uh, depth and breadth of the wine industry and wine country in South Africa before going there. It was uh, definitely something I learned about while being there. Yes. And the wines aren't too shabby either. No, I, they're, they're very good. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm more of a craft beer guy, yeah. but, uh, you know, from what I understand from wine folks, South Africa ranks up there as, uh, as a great wine producer. Yeah, we even have our own grape varietal. It's called Pinotage, which is a cross-cultivation of Pinot Noir and Hermitage. (laughs) So that's my favorite one. And now the last location you talked about was Kruger. What's so fascinating about that area? So the topography is uh, is very different. It's what we call the bush felt, or it's like a bushy savanna, if you can imagine that. And the wildlife is unbelievable. Actually, it was quite interesting that uh, it was malaria that stopped the animals from being hunted out in that region. So the hunters Mm. would go there in the uh, dry winter months to hunt. But in summertime, it was uh, there was a high malaria risk, Um, not anymore, but back in the 1800s. And uh, that's what saved the animals from being hunted out. So that region is just teeming with wildlife and the game reserves there are massive. There's one game reserve that we we love to go to, and that one has um, it's larger than Manhattan Island. I mean, it's like thirty six thousand wow. acres. It's uh, it's massive, and that's really when people think of South Africa or think of Africa and going on you know going on a game reserve. That's really the area that they're thinking of is that Kruger area. Really, is that picturesque? Yes. Uh, you know, what they see in books. Really, exactly. And uh, Kruger is so big that the country it. it you know, the country of Israel can fit inside Kruger. Right. And, and Kruger right. Kruger is a bit like Yosemite. There's a lot of paved roads and large camps. And, you know, you have, uh, you have tour coaches in Kruger and you have rental cars there and, you, you know, private individuals can go there. So you have the option of doing it that way. Or you could go to like a private game reserve where they restrict the number of vehicles on the game reserve. And it's all uh, the Jeeps that belong to the reserve. And you get assigned to a ranger and a tracker. Right. And you need a tracker because they only have unpaved roads there. So, you know, you, yeah. need, you need a tracker to spot the tracks and the unpaved roads. Well, I also know we we went there to visit in winter, so the the brush and whatnot wasn't as overgrown as it normally is, you know, your winter. Yes. Uh, so it was a little bit easier to spot the animals, but even with that, the tracker was very helpful. I could only imagine if we went during your summer, I, I would imagine it's even far more difficult to spot those animals during those times. It is harder, but it's not impossible. And then the beauty of the, the greenery and the foliage makes up for that. Uh, but yes, uh, you know, when you're looking into the bush bushes, you you might just look into the first row or two of um, bushes because of all the leaves. But then in our winter time, you'll see through all of them, so you can ha- you can look deeper into the bush as you're driving through it or past it. 
Right. And, you know, when I when I think of or thought of before going South Africa and, and that region, you know, the safari and the game reserve was really how I kind of defined it in my head. And, you know, as we've discussed, there's so much more to the country and the area than just that. But as somebody like yourself who's been on the game reserve so many times with guests and touring and even on your own, what's the most amazing thing you've ever seen on the game reserve? So um, I've had numerous amazing animal encounters, as you can imagine, because of doing it for so long. But the one that stands out the most was one morning I was watching um, a pride of lions try to take on a honey badger. And a honey badger, I mean, it, it looks like I've seen pictures of a skunk. I've never seen a skunk in real life, but it looks a lot like a skunk and it's about the size of a skunk. And it successfully defended itself against a pride of lions that each of them had a go at trying to uh, attack this creature. And I tell you what, I can see why the Navy SEALs have chosen that animal to be, you know, (laughs) their mascot because it is fearless and it successfully fought off a pride of lions and then disappeared into an anthill. There was a a termite mound and uh, it had a a dugout burrow in it. So it managed to get into that and get away, but it fought its way there and safely got in there. That that will stay with me forever, that uh, memory I have of that. That's like a David and Goliath story right there. Yeah. You had many Goliaths. (laughs) That's crazy. That's crazy. And your country's, you know, it's such a a beautiful place as we've talked about and so many great things. You know, is there one thing about South Africa? You know, what is your favorite part? You know, if you had to say to people, this is my favorite, if you had to pick one, what would that be? Okay, that would be Table Mountain. I've been up Table Mountain over 500 times in the 23 years of guiding, and every single time I get goosebumps. The weather and the condition is different all the time, but there's an energy on that mountain that's unlike anywhere else. And um, what, what was unusual and neat is that it's 3,500 feet high above sea level, and right. the city of Cape Town is at sea level. So it's not like you're in the mountains where you have this valley and, you know, the mountains might be three and a half thousand feet high, but actually the valley is only, you know, a thousand feet mm-hmm. below. Here it's three and a half thousand feet. Um, the beginning part is vertical. So it's literally breathtaking views that you get from the top of the mountain. Yeah, and I'm sure, they, like you said, the weather conditions and how the environment is during that particular time when you're there probably changes what those views look like and, and your perception and, and how things look at that particular moment. Exactly. I mean, sometimes you, it might be cloudy in the city bowl, and then you go up the cable car, and as you're going up the cable car, you go and break through the clouds, and then you get to the top, and it looks like you're on top of an island in a sea of clouds around. So, you know, it can be even more spectacular when you have clouds below than when you have the city below. Amazing. And and you lead me right into what I wanted to talk about next very, very easily, you know, the clouds. For people who are listening to this, Craig is an adventure guy. You know, he's not just a tourist, but he enjoys uh, living life to the fullest. From what I understand... And our conversations, you know, your hobbies include surfing, skydiving, and then we get into the more unconventional ones like 
wingsuit jumping, and now you're most recently added from what we've discussed, base jumping. And, you know, you definitely live it fully. So, you know, out of all these hobbies, you know, and it amazes me that you take part in, in all of these and, and consistently, you know, base jump. And I know that's something new you've started, but the wingsuit jumping and skydiving, you know, what's your favorite activity out of those that we, you know, that we just mentioned? I love them all equally, but the one that stands out for me would be base jumping. It's unlike anything that I've ever done before. It is the largest mental challenge that I've ever had to face. I have uh, a fear of heights. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> I can't with the skydiving and the wingsuit and now the base jumping. I, I don't necessarily buy it, but I, yeah. I, I understand it because I'm similar. And every jump for me, it's like entering a wormhole. It's like going into a different reality and time slows down. And the jump might only take a couple of seconds, but in my mind, it takes much longer than that. The way that you feel during the jump is indescribable. You know, before you, you can be quite nervous um, uh, on, on top of the exit point and you have to really take control of your mind before you take that leap. It can't be a leap of faith. It has to be, you have to be calm in your mind when you do it so that if anything had to go wrong, you can calmly assess the situation and fix what needs to be fixed. Well, as you know, this is the Midland money mindset. And as you know, we're very aware and, and we stress the importance of being in the right mindset. And I would imagine you'd have to be for that. Uh, for those people that don't know uh, necessary. I think most people know what skydiving is and the wingsuit jumping. Could you explain to them what base jumping is so they have an understanding of what we're talking about here? Sure. So in skydiving, um, you have you actually jump out of the plane with two parachutes. Uh, you have your your regular parachute, and then you have what's known as a reserve parachute, uh, which is designed very different to the regular parachute. So the reserve parachute is designed to open very quickly and get you to the ground safely. That's the only function that it has. Is It has no performance. And base jumping, it's an acronym for building, antenna, span, which means bridge, and earth, which means like a cliff. So to be honest with you, I'm not really a base jumper because I've only jumped off a bridge and um, a cliff. So I've only got my S and my E. I need to still jump from a building to get the B and an antenna to get the A. So I'm half okay. a base jumper. All right. Yeah. So what you're working you do, your way you're up. Working my slowly. way there. Yeah. <laughs> what you do is you jump from any of those objects and you're using a specially designed parachute. To do so. And the design of the parachute is very similar to the reserve parachute that you use when you skydive. Now, um, in the beginning, what people used to do is jump with their regular, you know, skydiving gear that well, they'd use their reserve parachutes to jump and do base jumps with. Right. And then over time and with technology, uh, they've managed to make it, believe it or not, safer and safer. So the reason one has fatalities today are, is not always equipment related. A lot of it has to do with choices that people make and judgment choices that they make along the way. But the material itself has become a lot safer over the decades that it's been done. 
Right. From what we've talked about, you know, your experiences uh, base jumping previously, it sounds like the starting point, you getting to the area that you need to jump from and actually getting geared up at that point in time sounds like to me almost as dangerous, if not more dangerous than the actual jump itself. Yes, that certainly can be because up until that point, you're not wearing your rig. So, right. you, you know, even if you were, there's a chance that you wouldn't get a stable exit if you had to slip. But getting to the exit points at some of these jumps can be quite sketchy. But then again, that's a choice that you make to go to that sketchy exit points or not. And they're not all that way. It's just there is no room for error in the sport. So you have to be in control of your mind when you're walking to the exit point. And when you're doing the sport, you have to be in control of your mind as well. Sure. I would, I would imagine from the minute you make the decision to do that jump that day, you have to be in the right mindset yes. from, from that minute until your feet hit the ground again and the jump is complete. Yes. You make a you choice don't... then to be calm and to stay calm. I have a mantra, and that is that if I stay calm, I can accomplish anything, even this interview with you. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I was I was just turned on to a book, and I'm, I, I don't recall the author, but the name of the book is Breathe, and it's all talking about how controlling your breath and using your breath can actually help your mindset and work you through almost any situation if you do things the proper way. So there's a lot to that. There's definitely a lot to that. You know, I did a base jumping course in at, at Twin Falls in Idaho with a chap that has like the most base jumps in the world. And I, I messaged him and I said to him, you know, I'm having a few challenges with fear. And he gave me the best advice. And he said to me that what I need to do is focus on my breathing and focus on the jump, focus on what I need to do. Uh, and that way you, you kind of smoke and mirror your brain to right. stop it from thinking about the fear or the danger aspect or something else. You focus on what you need to do right. and your breathing. Yep. Those two things will put you in the right mindset and, and focus on what you need to focus on and push aside all the other noise that's uh, up in your head at that moment so you can concentrate on what you need to do. Exactly. So, listen, Craig, it's been really great speaking with you. We we always end the show with the same question because this is the Midland money mindset. And you're a guy who already understands the importance of mindset. So we're, we're curious to know, what's the one thing that you do every day that brings you joy and puts you in the right mindset for success? Okay, that's an easy one. I make my bed for many reasons. Okay, one, uh, and it's probably the last reason I do it, is that when I come back home, I come back to a room with a bed that's made. That looks great. But right. that's not the real reason I do it. The reason I do it is that what it does, I think that a lot of people do things for one of two reasons, either to avoid pain or to gain pleasure. What I do is I'll make my bed and I'll associate the making of the bed, not with the pain of having to make it, but mm -hmm. with, the, with the good feeling that I have after I've made it. So I've accomplished the task. I've done something. And I've now finished this task successfully, and it gives me that good feeling. So I aim for that good feeling, and I focus on that good feeling. And then it's then I think to myself, okay, what next can I do today? Or what are my other tasks that I, that I need to do? Because I want to feel good that I finished it. You know, it's like if you associate pain with uh, doing your, filling out your tax 
form, for instance, and you never right. ever do it, uh, eventually at the end of the year, you're going to come and then you're going to associate pain with the, the repercussions of not having done that. Sure. So those repercussions are always worse than the actual act of doing it, what needs to get done. So Agreed. that's another thing to consider. I think that's a great piece of advice, making your bed in the morning, because it's an easy thing to do, and it's a quick win. You start the day off with something complete in order to move on to the next task, and it's an easy thing to do and an easy win to start the day. Yeah. So, Craig, it's been a a pleasure having you and connecting again. Uh, You know, if people want to travel to South Africa, I highly recommend getting a tour guide, especially one of the caliber of uh, Craig Zeman. And if people want to follow you on social media, what's the best way to do that? I'm sure they're going to be seeing some great skydiving and base jumping pictures. So they might want to take a look. Certainly. So um, I'm on Instagram and my handle is uh, Craig underscore Zeman, Z-I-M-A-N. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And listen, if you're interested in seeing some great photos and some interesting things, definitely follow Craig. It's been a pleasure having you and seeing you again, Craig. Until next time. Certainly. It's great to see you again, Larry. Thanks for chatting. I want to thank Craig for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset Show. South Africa is a beautiful country that Craig guides people through in a once in a lifetime way. And his adventures, well, They're numerous and exciting. If you want to see more of his adventures, be sure to follow him on Instagram at Craig, C-R-A-I-G underscore Zeman, Z-I-M-A-N. I assure you, you won't be disappointed. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandfinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please, don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. Be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.